Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 10. Hey everybody, welcome to session number 10 of the Metaverse podcast. I'm your host Tom Traplin, and today on the show we have Kathleen Donahue and Judy Thomas. Kathleen is the owner of Labyrinth Games in Washington, D.C., and Judy Thomas is her magic event coordinator. We go over how Labyrinth Games is one of the most profitable and successful game stores in the middle of Washington, D.C., despite the fact that their overhead costs are insanely high due to working in the downtown core of a capital city. We also talk about their innovative outreach program, where Labyrinth Games goes into the local schools in their community and teaches kids how to think and play games strategically. I think this is a great idea, but we'll get into that in the interview. So let's just jump in. Okay. I am Kathleen Donahue, and I own Labyrinth Games and Puzzles. Uh, We opened in November of 2010. And um, I don't know. What else do you want to know about me? (laughs) Uh, Where were you born? Why did you open the store? How did you get into this? Okay, I'm originally from Florida. I was born in Miami, but I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, in northwest Florida. Um, I've lived in D.C. now with my husband since 2001 or two. So we've been here for a while. Um, I opened the store because, oh, there were lots of reasons why I opened the store, but mostly, um, both right immediately preceding uh, opening the store, I was a part-time consultant working out of my house, um, doing operational efficiency consulting all over the country. Um, and I really wanted to go back to work full time, but I didn't want to, before I did that, I was, um, I worked for a large international trade law firm and I didn't want to go back to working for a law firm. So I was, um, I was trying to figure out something that I wanted to do and kept coming up with ideas and, and finally gave my husband, kept telling my husband, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. And he would tell me why that was a horrible idea. And then mm. one day I was stuck in traffic and, um, I called my husband cause I had been looking for a game, a Moncala game. And, um, he's like, that's what you should do. You should open a toy store. And I said, well, that's stupid. I don't like toys. I like <laughs> games and puzzles. So that's where the idea came from, and it was just kind of the right timing. I got excited about it and did tons of research, and we were opened about five months later. <laughs> so it was kind of insane, but that's that's pretty much why I opened the store. I wanted something that I could do that I could bring my son to school with me or to work with me, or I could go on field trips and do things. Plus, I've always loved puzzles. I wasn't actually a huge gamer. Um, I loved games, but I wasn't what you would call a huge gamer. Um, as a matter of fact, it's funny cause you kept emailing me and asking me about magic and mm-hmm. I had never even heard of magic when I opened the store. Yeah. Um, thus enter Judy. And that would be a good segue to Judy. Um, Judy introducing herself. It was funny when I first interviewed her, Judy has been with me since before we opened. And, um, 
she came in and said, oh, and yes, I play magic and I do this and I do that. And I'm like, great, what's magic? And so <laughs> it was actually um, she and her boyfriend talking me into even carrying magic and um, getting registered with Wizards Play Network and stuff yeah, like that. when we opened, she'd only ordered like one booster box of Scars <laughs> of Meriden. I'm like, you're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so in the magic world, Judy has been kind of the keystone of leading leading the effort for what we've developed now after this four years. Yep. Great. Uh, so my name is Judy Thomas. Um, I was I moved to D.C. and was looking uh, with my boyfriend and I who was. Um, you know, just casting around for a job, because when I first moved down here, I was commuting back to Baltimore for my old work which was with a manufacturer and um, I loved my job there and everything, but that commute was brutal. So I um, was, you know, <clears throat> at home kind of <laughs> like nine to five applying uh. for jobs. And um, my boyfriend was actually out. He's a graphic designer and he was actually out at um, this convention called PepCon. It was this big, um, like Adobe convention thing. And he met up with a guy named um, Adam who is a graphic design layout artist for, um, he does the Eclipse Phase games, um, all these RPG games. And he had said, oh, hey, I heard there's a new game store opening up in D.C. And Chris immediately messaged me and he's like, hey, there's a new game store opening up. Hey, they might be hiring. Hmm. Uh, so I sent Kathleen, um, thank you very much. I sent her an email about it, just inquiring and stuff. And she said, come in to talk. And so I came in to talk. And I mean, Prior to working here, I had been playing Magic a little bit. Um, I had learned briefly in high school, and then my boyfriend and his friends have been playing since the dawn of time. So um, I was tired of you know sitting around and only half understanding the conversation. So um, I relearned how to play, and um, we've been pretty much playing ever since. And I had already I had been running some Dungeons and Dragons campaigns, and we did some board games and stuff like that, and. So I had some background that could help out. Exciting stuff. How many employees do you have other than just you? Now there are seven of us total, counting me. Five of us um, six of us total. Six. Six employees and me. Yeah. Um, Solid. And yeah. So, but we have, I mean, we probably don't need that many just for the store, but we also run aftercare programs. Um, so that's why we have so many staff. We do, gosh, I don't know. We're in like 13 or 14 schools yeah. now and we 13. have multiple classes at different schools. 12 schools, but we've got, we've doubled up on classes on a lot of them. Right. So we do, we do lots of aftercare classes every week. And, um, so that's why we need so many staff because they also all go to various schools all over the city. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into that. What does that mean? Like, how did you get into uh, that? Um, well, it was kind of weird. I, I think everything I've done, and I think this is probably a good thing if you're talking about how you do successful stores, pretty much everything we've done has been a response to people telling me I want this. Um, and the aftercare programs were basically a response to a lot of moms came in when we first opened and was asking me for chess clubs um, or chess classes for their children. Um, Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill has a lot of type A parents that want their children to be um, brilliant. And so they all want them playing chess at like four and five years old. And I don't particularly really like chess. I mean, it's OK, but it's not my favorite game in the world. Um, and 
So instead, we did the first summer we were open, we did an abstract strategy game club for kids where we looked at um, abstract strategy games through history. So chess was a part of it, but we started with Tic-Tac-Toe and moved on to Connect Four and Nine Men Morris and Senate and Game of Ur and all of these classic games um, and kind of did a timeline of games and and then did some of the more recent abstract strategy like Hive and um, Quirkle and things like that, although Quirkle has a little bit of luck in it. But yep. um, we were – and the kids loved it and the parents loved it. And um, it was a really neat way to teach strategic thinking without just having to do chess all the time. And none of us are chess masters. Um, like We know chess, but – yeah, and I, do, I yeah, I don't want to put myself out there as this chess expert or somebody or somebody who's qualified to teach it when I really am not very good at it. Um, but it was it was really interesting, and I had I hired a certain person that summer to do it, and all the kids loved it. And um, the parents came at the end of the summer and said, "Our kids love this class so much, and they're getting so much out of it. Can you keep doing it during the school year?" And I said, "Fine, but you've got to figure out how to get your kids." to the store in the afternoon and none of the parents could do that because they're all working parents. So they said, well, we'll get you into the schools. And so they got us into our first three schools through that. And Judy and I, when we first um, started thinking about, oh my gosh, now we've got, you know, months and months of this class instead of like just a month, um, we better do other games. So now we do all kinds of games. We do language games and math games and abstract strategy games. Um, all the way from three years old up through middle school. And we have different classes. It's usually broken down into pre-readers, readers, and then advanced gamers where we do a lot of the harder core Euro games and stuff um, with our middle schoolers. But it's just from that, more and more people heard about it and more and more people call us and we get calls mm -hmm. all the time to add more schools. Our main issue is trying to find enough really qualified teachers to handle the, the schools that we have. Well, that sounds like a great way to establish your brand. Yeah, it's also a really fantastic way to market, um, yeah. to be perfectly honest. I mean, we don't make a ton of money off of our after-school programs, but it's a wonderful way. I feel like we have yeah. a whole generation of gamers now that we're developing on Capitol Hill that never would have been exposed to this type of games. When we first opened... We had all people coming in asking for Candyland and Chutes and Ladders, and now I have you know kids coming in asking for Machi Koro or um, Forbidden Island, and it's it's really great to see that. Mm -hmm. Do you charge for your program? Like you said, you do make do, some yeah. amount of money, but uh, do you, do the parents pay? Yeah. Um, they, it's, it's generally, we charge the school and the school kind of figures out how they're going to charge the parents because a lot of the schools, like especially DCPS, they'll get grants and stuff like that for their aftercare program. So we figure out basically like what my time is, like how much we need to, you know, cover my time for the class. And then we factor in, we also track which games we have to open for it. Um, which games we get as demos. We also teach game designs. We also have to track how much we're spending on, those sorts of craft materials to make games like poster board and markers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we kind of factor that into the cost. And also if we have to travel anywhere. So if we have to Metro over somewhere, um, we need to also factor in Metro fee and stuff like that. So. Yeah. That's a, that's very interesting. In I've not heard of a store do that before, but that sounds yeah, like a great idea. Schools, they, they pass the fee along to the parents and in other schools, they, the schools cover it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. 
Yeah, it's really huge. It's pretty much, it takes a lot of our time to plan it. I mean, that, and as well as we have events almost every night in the store. So mm-hmm. there's, there are a lot of event yeah. stuff that we do. That's my main avenue of marketing really is outreach through various different events and the stuff that we do with schools and families. No, it's fantastic. So you, uh, let's pull back just a little bit. You mentioned your store. Can you describe it for me? How big is it? What does it look like? <laughs> um, it's pretty small comparatively. I think people are always surprised that it's as large as it is because it doesn't look very large from the outside. Um, it is a very long and skinny store. Um, it is, um, I think we have about 1,500 square feet total um, with a very little bit of that being some storage space. Um, unfortunately, being on Capitol Hill, one of our worst problems is the cost is absolutely astronomical. So having space and having storage space and having play space is very, very expensive. So we try to maximize the space that we have the best we can. Yeah, we joke that her basement is our secondary storeroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also, there are very, I call it the store that Ikea built. Everything in here came from <laughs> Ikea. Really when I first started looking at the store, I tried to look at what was the absolute cheapest way I could open. And I did a lot of research on various different, you know, displays and things like that. Is, are you still there? Yep. Okay, good. The computer just kind of froze, Sorry, my but, screen, I don't know. Um, but oh, they, the... Um, the absolute cheapest fixtures I could find were bookshelves from Ikea. We also got some beautiful glass shelves in the front of the store that came from Ikea. But Judy and I basically put together. I can. Put I don't up even know. A really we can... bookcase in like a minute <laughs> flat. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> so we put together a lot of bookcases, and so I had friends in. We bought beer and pizza for everyone who helped us put bookcases together. It worked out. Um, but we, so the store is very bright. It's uh, the white bookcases were the cheapest. Um, so we have lots of white bookcases. There's also a lot of light. We have a lot of, um, I think that's what most people talk about. It's funny. Most people talk about (laughs) loving my store and like Jason Matthews, the game designer of Twilight Struggle came in once and said, this is one of my very, very favorite stores because it's clean. And I'm like, really, (laughs) really? That's the best I can do is like clean well. Um, But it is the baseline standard. eh? Yeah, I know. I was really, I'm. I think that it's nice that people think that of the store, but it's also, I kind of wish they liked us for other reasons, but they do. But I think it's just, it's nice to be in a bright, clean environment that doesn't feel like somebody's dungeon. Yes. Well, there's Mm -hmm. also a huge, the entire back wall is a glass window and the entire front wall is a glass window. So there is a lot of natural light with which people have also commented on really loving. Except when we cram people back here for a pre-release in which in like in midsummer when the, <laughs> it's like when a it's greenhouse. Really yeah, under a magnifying glass. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we tape, but we have these curtains that we like duct tape and staple to the ceiling so that it, nobody roasts. <laughs> nobody wants roasting magic players. That's not good for anybody. No, it doesn't smell very nice either. No, not really. Not generally. Okay, so how much uh, play space do you have? Like if your store is not massive so how much does it take up (laughs) um our friday night magics in general 
I limit them to about 24 people just space-wise. Mm-hmm. We can cram 32 in here, and we do that for pre-releases and um, like release nights. Yeah, the launch parties and stuff like that. We'll cram in 32. Um, and sometimes when we do like the Fantasy Flight Games store championships, we'll go up to 32. Um, depending on interest, like if there's, we're at 24 and there's a big wait list, I'll let in more people. Um, but in general, it's pretty small. We have board game nights every Thursday and then we get, um, we have like 30 odd people in here or more. And we get tons of people here. We have to set up like auxiliary tables throughout the rest of the store. Mm-hmm. Um, like with bookcases <laughs> almost. Um, and we have a low table that has a bunch of kids stuff on it. Cause I think one thing that's important to note about us is that we're, um, like half of our stuff is geared towards adults and half of it is geared towards kids because there's so many families here. So we have a table full of stuff that little kids can come in and play with and we'll have to clear that off so that people can like play Catan on it or something like it mm-hmm. gets, it gets pretty crowded. Yeah. On Thursday nights we're packed. We, it's generally between 30 and 50 people in here on Thursday nights, but they kind of move themselves with throughout the store and sometimes even sit on the floor and stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, for most of our like magic events or like she said, any of the LCG stuff, we try and cap it at 24. It's still tied at 24, but it's, it's workable. And people in the city are pretty used to that anyway, just because everything is so expensive. I mean, even if you go to a restaurant here, you're usually kind of jammed in pretty close so it would be the same as like playing in yeah, Manhattan or something. Most of the bars are pretty tiny and um, stuff like that so. So but it is small mm-hmm. but we work it out. So people are accustomed to smaller turnouts but also tighter spaces so it's not such a big deal for the average gamer. Right it's yeah pretty much I mean there is. I'm sure there's I mean there's always <laughs> lots of grumbling about me getting more space but I mean and this is an important thing to look at when I, I try to explain it to Magic players. I mean, for Friday Night Magic for draft, we charge $15 for a draft. With that, unless they're buying anything else, I mean, really, we don't make enough money to cover the space and open up. I mean, we basically lose money on drafts. The margin on Magic is so low. And, I mean, I'm paying fifty to 40 to $50 a square foot um, there's no possible way that that makes money. So for me to get more space, I would have to figure out some way to make that space be able to pay for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, there's really not much I can do stay. And I really love our location. We're half a block from the Metro, um, right in the heart of Washington, DC, um, most importantly, we're three blocks from my house, which is really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I don't, I don't really want to move. So, yeah. well, the thing with space too is a lot of stores that focus pretty heavily on magic. Two of the ways that they make money um, aren't really available to us in DC. There's um, they sell singles and they sell food and drink. And in DC, if you sell food and drink, you have to charge a bag tax. Um, and that's a whole lot of paperwork, a whole lot of stuff to deal with. And we don't really have the space for it. Interesting. And then the singles, yeah, to sell singles, you have to, I think it's like you have to get like a pawn shop license or something to resell stuff. And it's, it's really crazy. Like we've looked into it in the past because I mean, singles don't take up that much space, but it's really a pain in the district to resell anything because they used to have so many predatory pawn shops and all these issues and stuff. So they have all this legislation in place about the reselling of anything. It's why there's also not many used record stores. Um, there's like only one used bookstore that I know of and I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That sounds 
kind of disappointing, I would think, that uh, regulations holding you back from doing what is generally one of the more profitable things for a game store or for a store that sells magic, being able to resell singles. They have the highest margin, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah, that's nice. Um, but it also does soak up. One of the things we looked at, too, when we looked at it is it soaks up like one staff member's entire time yep. to manage the market. And mm-hmm. um, we just don't know in D.C. if that's if that's really worth it for us. I don't know that. I mean, that's also time that that person could be out teaching classes. And I feel like we get more money off that sometimes. So it's just kind of like what what works for us doesn't necessarily work for every other market. And what works for every other market doesn't necessarily work for us. Yeah, that's fair. It's interesting. I had a couple. Sorry, go for it. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, if you don't sell singles and none of the stores in your district or in your say your area can also not sell singles, how do your Magic players buy their cards? Because most of them, Um, most Magic players don't just buy booster packs to get a collection, right? Right. No, um, a lot of people do it online. Um, I know I have a couple friends that sort of have a a small business. They do it a lot of Puka Trade. Hmm. Um, Card Kingdom is generally where my boyfriend will get singles from. Um, they, there are stores like out in Virginia and stuff that will do it, but by and large, also the magic players we have are older and a little more savvy with their money. So they don't generally buy from stores because they know that that's going to be the highest price. Like they're Mm going to be paying the right now tax as opposed to, as I like to call it, like the buy it right now tax, um, from stores that they don't maybe, I mean, they don't really play that often. So they'd have to like make a trip out to Virginia or something to go buy singles from a store when they could just you know, buy from Card Kingdom or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. And we definitely, I mean, we definitely make money off Magic. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely the lowest margin item I have in the store, but Magic is still a huge part of our business, mm-hmm. um, as is all of our Magic events. I uh, We sell out. I mean, our Friday Night Magic, we have to have registration online since we do only have 24 spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, And it generally, until right at the end of uh, sets kind of time period, it will sell out in less than 30 seconds. So it's not like we don't have a – we have a pretty large and thriving Magic community even without selling singles. Yeah. We are advanced in the Wizards Play Network, and we could easily get Advanced Plus if we could figure out how to do the 50 person event. Yeah. The only thing keeping us from being Advanced Plus is not having enough room for a 50 person event. That, and I don't think we've won quite enough events, but we could start logging stuff pretty easily. But yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it wouldn't be too difficult for you. Have you ever held an event outside of the store? Like, or purchased a room for a hotel or something like that? Uh, we've looked at it price-wise. I don't know that we're there yet. Um, because Simply because we're renting out places in D.C. where yep. everybody's having Same conventions and meetings and fundraisers. Um, it, yeah, it gets expensive. Right. Um, I mean, I looked at just renting out a place not too far from here that has meeting space, and they wanted $2,000 for the day. I mean, wow. that's like you can't necessarily make that. Yeah. That's again, that's money we're not making up unless we have more auxiliary sales like food and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's uh yeah, it's kind of rough. <laughs> yeah. There's I definitely mean, a threshold where like- players will not spend so much money, but you can only charge so much for right. an entrance fee, no matter what the prize is. Yeah. Um, and the one place that I think would be most reasonable, we can't actually, like there's some places that we can't actually do because you can't have it at anywhere that's age restricted. 
Um, mm-hmm. So when I checked with Watsi, like if we could do it, like there's a um, back when there was a bar up the street that was open. Um, <clears throat> they're closed now, but they had like sort of an upstairs that we could have possibly rented, but you have to be over 21 to get in and we can't do that. We can't age limit. Yeah. Um, that's kind of in Watsi's uh, regulations. So that didn't also, I don't know that I would have wanted to, I mean, bars are sticky. So, you know, that doesn't mm. really mix really well with cards. Yeah. Not the best. All right. So, uh, let's go into something specific. If you like, you've been open for four years, do you have any really interesting stories from your customers? Have you ever, do you have a favorite customer story? Oh, I don't know that I no. I remember you putting that on the list of possible questions that you might ask us, but mm-hmm. I have no idea that. Um, I don't know how to answer that. I really I love all my customers. It's funny. I there are good. There are good, lots of good stories. I mean, there's more good stories than there are kind of weird stories. Like there I was think, the time we had these jigsaw puzzles that you can write on um, and draw on and stuff. And there was the time that a guy used one of them to like propose to his girlfriend, oh. uh, which was really cool. I I mean, the very first thing I ever sold before we were even open was a box of magic. Um, uh, the, I miss that guy. Yeah, there was this really awesome attorney who lived not too far from the store, back behind the store. And he called me up while we were setting up all of the Ikea shelves and said, do you have any magic? And I'm like, okay, yes, I think in some box somewhere. And he's like, I want a box of boosters. And as we've already covered, I knew nothing about magic. And I'm like... <laughs> Like, what do you box? mean? You want one booster? Or, um, yeah, and he's like, no, the box. I'm like, really? Why? Um, I had no idea. And so he's like, yeah, and I'll buy it from you at full price right now if you can find it. And I'm like, okay. So sure. I was, it was like midnight, and I went through all of the boxes and um, found the box of boosters and sold it to him. It was my very first sale ever. Yeah. Um, but he came in for you know, almost a year after that before he moved. I think that's another really different thing for about our store than a lot of stores. We have a very transient population. Um, because we are in DC, people come and go a lot. So we have to constantly be marketing, which is very challenging. But it also means we have just tons of customers. And I think of my favorite customer stories, we have frequently people that move away and then come back to visit or move back. And they always come in and say, you know, we had to make this our first stop back. Or we have tons of um, foreigners that come in, you know, people, international travelers, and they come in and say, oh, I'm dying to um, see your store because I heard about it on the radio here or heard about it on a blog post here or um, Dice Tower has mentioned us several times this year. So we get people yeah. from all over the country. And it's just, that's that makes me really happy. Also, seeing the little kids, it was funny. When I came up with the name Labyrinth, my husband thought it was a horrible idea because nobody can say Labyrinth or spell Labyrinth. And I'm like, <laughs> anybody who wants to come so to true. my store will know what a Labyrinth is. But just seeing Which little kids... Seeing little kids stand outside and go, look, mommy, it's lab, lab, labyrinth and like <laughs> teaching an entire population games and stuff. That's my favorite part of the job. Yeah, and have, I think loving the customers is yeah. critical to being happy in this kind of right. industry. <laughs> we have, it's been really cool. We have this group of middle schoolers that they're starting to get into high school and stuff, but it's basically like I call them generation labyrinth. 
like, because for the past four years, like, they've been coming here since the beginning, since our first kids programs. And we now, um, like, they, some of them in school have to do, like, volunteer hours and stuff um, or internship classes in middle schools around here, which I think is really cool. Um, they'll, we've had them intern here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've had interns, which was fun. Um, we made them organize all the um, demo games, which uh, our one intern really enjoyed doing. Um, and then we also, like, for their volunteer hours and stuff, they'll come with us and help us teach um, the younger kids games and stuff like that. So we have like this whole generation where we've figured so prominently in their childhoods and their lives. And I know that I sort of had that experience growing up, like from my local library and stuff. And I love that we're able to provide that and that we have, you know, this generation of kids that's just kind of as much a part of the story as we are, which I think is really cool. Yeah. It was funny. Mm -hmm. I was at a birthday party with my son the other day and there was a Washington Post reporter there and a couple other moms and different people. And I was talking about that our five-year lease is up this um, October. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'll keep doing it. I have to think about it. Um, I have the option to, exp- uh, you know, kind of do five more years. And all of the mothers go, no, 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 you have become an institution. And I think it's really fantastic that in four years, I mean, a whole room full of parents were saying that we've become an institution on <laughs> Capitol Hill in four years. Yeah, we had one family um, where they were selling their house and buying a new house. And one of the requirements put forth by um, this mom's children was that it couldn't be too far from Labyrinth. <laughs> like, they still had to be able to get here for activities and stuff. But that's, I mean, there's so many customer stories, so I couldn't just tell one. I, I really honestly love all of our customers, and I think yeah. that's, we that's have a really critical cool, really to doing cool it. customer base, too. Yeah, it's nice, and, and it, we like to play the um, caller ID game where you get, because in D.C. you'll get these crazy caller ID things, um, like U.S. Capitol is calling, like, <laughs> just, you know, and it's somebody, like, on their break trying to find out if we have a certain game or something, but, like, mm-hmm. the... Um, the caller IDs are really fun in DC. We have a lot of distinguished customers and just, you know, a lot of really cool people. No, that's great. That's generally how it goes is a, you think, Oh man, I don't have any stories at all. Oh wait, no, I've got tons of stories. They all start flowing in. Yep. But you can definitely tell that you really care about your customers in the way that you describe them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I think like Kathleen said, like I agree that it's pretty crucial. I mean, if you're going to take an adversarial roll against your customers, like, why are, why are you doing this? Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's, it retails about customer service, and the main part about customer service is liking people. So that, you know, makes it a lot easier to be, you know, provide nice service if you, like, genuinely like people. Yeah, for sure. And you'd think it'd be obvious, but not everybody who starts their games, their own game store uh, has that in mind. They do it for right. other reasons, right? And usually yeah. the wrong ones. I mean, yeah. They like games or they like, you know, and they want to share what they like. But, um, yeah, the primary aspect is that, I mean, and the thing I think, too, is important is remember that not everybody that comes to the door is going to be into the same stuff you're into. Mm-hmm. Like, find out, well, and this goes back to what she was saying about a lot of our stuff is developed from, as a response to customer demand. Like, I mean, we never really thought we were going to be doing children's programming and stuff like this and all these activities. We didn't think we were going to be doing learn to play Pokemon classes and learn to play magic classes and, you know, kids D and D and stuff. We just kept being asked for it. And so you've got to be open to what, like where your customer base, customer base wants to grow. Yeah. Listen to your customers and 
they'll tell you what what they want and just give it to them. The easiest way, you know, to push it on them, right? Right. All right. So you mentioned marketing, which is basically where we're at right now. And the fact that you have a large community turnover because of the nature of where you live. How do you reach new customers? Is it just word of mouth from your existing organic base? Or do you, uh, do you do radio ads? Do you do online advertising? Print? I don't do any paid advertising except for one ad a month in a local newspaper. Um, it's a Capitol Hill newspaper and they supported me a lot when I was first opening. So I support them back by doing an ad a month. I don't think we get much return off of it, but everything else is non-paid. I, I mean, there's, there's a few different things. Um, our largest marketing pushes, as I said, were is the aftercare program. Mm-hmm. We also donate to every school auction who access, asks us. Um, we donate birthday parties, so it's an inexpensive way to donate. I don't have to donate actual product that costs me money, but I'm basically giving away staff time and our space. Um, but it also gets new people in the store, which I think is a fantastic way to market. So we're giving them something very valuable that they can auction um, and it generally makes them a lot of money because kids really like birthday parties here but it also brings new people into the store we also do a lot of outreach to um, local board game groups we do a lot of outreach through the magic community bringing in new people we do a we have a lot of online presence uh, Judy and I both post on Facebook generally two or three times a day about what's going on and different things. So we've grown. I think I'm one follower away from 2000 as of this morning on Facebook. So go like us. Yeah. Sure. But, um, so yeah, so we have 2000 likes on Facebook, so that's a big way, but I do not do any paid Facebook marketing. I've done it a little bit for some events every once in a while if I felt they needed a bigger push, but most of the time all of our events sell out, so we don't really need much more push, but we do try and get on to community things. I mean, recently I was on the Kojo Namdi show. And um, that was a huge marketing thing. I've been on right national before Christmas, right before Christmas, which was insane. Um, but so I've been in the press several times and things like that. I really try and do kind of organic outreach like that. Good stuff. Um, Thomas, I'm going to have to go in just a couple minutes because I have another meeting starting in about five minutes. But sure. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Judy can stay and talk to you for a few more minutes if you need to, but I'm going to need to go in a second. Okay. <clears throat> hmm. Got to pick a good one then. So while you're still here, if you go back to the beginning, was there something you struggled with at the beginning of the uh, – when you opened your business? What was the hardest uh, thing about starting up the Labyrinth? We started really quickly, so I didn't know exactly what to expect. I don't, I think that knowing inventory, knowing customers, I mean, it's been, I think long term, my biggest personal struggle is it takes a massive amount of time. I'm going to be right there. I told him we're stopping in at one minute. Um, I think personally, my biggest challenge is I work all the time. And I think this is getting into your effort of, you know, sharing how to start game stores and stuff. 
I think in order to be successful, and it may be different places or different things, and I think it's important to always remember every store is really unique, Mm -hmm. but I work night and day, seven days a week, and have since we opened. Um, I think that's my biggest personal challenge. With the store, I think it's just been trying to respond and trying to keep a balance. Like Judy said, we have half kid stuff and half adult stuff. I try and keep a really good balance so that hardcore gamers enjoy the store just as much as the mom with a two-year-old. And that's always challenging to remember that there are puzzle people out there and there are people who like games like Descent and Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder. And trying to keep it really balanced is always a challenge that I'm facing. Mm-hmm. But I guess the balance is the reason it's successful. Yes, we work really hard at keeping that balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly how much time you've got. I imagine you have a few minutes. Yeah, if you have um, any questions that are like specific to magic or magic events, I'm happy to stay and answer those. Sure. Uh, if you have any general questions for, but Kathy, yeah, if you have anything like else, let me. Yeah, I can do maybe one more question, but I've got somebody waiting for me. If you had to do anything differently four years ago, would you do it? Was there something else you'd change? Sometimes I think that I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> um, if I had to do it over again, I don't, I don't know that I would have done it. Um, it's it, like I said, it's a lot of work. It's also though, I have to say that I, I love everything about it so much that I probably would end up doing it. I don't I don't know if there would be anything else I would change. I don't know. Do you think of any can you think of anything you think we should have done differently? Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean it's it you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, so I don't know. I think we I think we set up as best we could and we grew things as best we I mean, we've been know. in the black since we opened our doors. Right. So, so that's um, pretty good. Yeah, I that's can't good. Complain. I didn't, I didn't really, this is another thing to know if you're thinking about opening a game store. I am very, very lucky to have a husband who makes money and I did not have to make money the first three years that we were open. So I did not pay myself until last year. I took nothing out of the business, although the business did make money. I put all of it back into expanding our inventory, hiring more staff, expanding our school programs, making marketing goods, things like that. Um, so I think it's very important to think of if you are going to start a business on your own, how, how much money do you need to make? It's not very realistic. I mean, definitely our first year we made enough to not be in the red, but we did not make enough to pay me. Um, so I think that that's very important to think about when you're, when you're opening a store, but that sounds crucial. It's a good tip. Yeah. It didn't matter. Uh, I think not doing a singles night again for Valentine's Day. Oh, God. Our very, very first (laughs) February, we did a singles night for Valentine's Day, and that was the biggest nightmare I've ever had. Yeah, (laughs) she's not a drinker. She doesn't drink alcohol. That almost drove her to drink. (laughs) She was like, I want a bottle of wine. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds pretty depressing, actually. (laughs) It wasn't that. It was just the stress of trying to figure out how to balance, and I don't It was just, yeah. And, you know, sometimes gamers are really social and sometimes gamers aren't really social. So yeah. balance that was very challenging. Yeah. But um, thanks a lot, Thomas. And if you need anything else from me later, just email me or anything. But I've got to run. Okay, but great. Judy's still yep, Okay, thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for coming on. She has a um, <clears throat> meeting with a sales rep, so we've got to order. 
Yeah, that, or number that, That's great. That sounds uh, yeah, we got, sounds like we got something she should be doing. Yes. Okay, so magic specifically, yes. you're the magic coordinator, right? I I am the tournament organizer for all of our magic. Yeah. All right. Have you ever had to deal with cheating? Um, not really. Um, and a lot of that comes from how we built our community from the ground up. I mean, we were from our first event, we had, um, like my boyfriend has run, I think 99.5% of our events. Um, and, and so much so that he's referred to often by people as judge Chris. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, he's a, he's a level one judge and has been, he wasn't at when we started. Um, but he took the L1 test pretty shortly after. Um, and we have another L2, um, my friend Nate Lawrence that comes in and helps out, but we were, we set expectations when we start. Um, we set, you know, our, our basic rules, which were, you know, play nice, don't cheat, um, you know, be a decent human being. And, you know, we also have a no cursing rule mainly because we're open when we have events, um, and we're right by kids stuff, so mm-hmm. I don't really want parents coming in and hearing somebody, you know, drop the f bomb in the middle of the draft, of which I am the worst perpetrator. So, like, it's it's a rule that applies to me as well um, when I'm playing. But um, you know, we set those expectations, and they know that they constantly have like the person who's running the tournament does care, is watching, has an eagle eye, like, mm-hmm. um, and also that we foster this environment in which the people who would normally sort of cheat don't really play. And if we do have issues, we, I really, you know, I take a very active presence in it. And I say, if you have an issue with the player, I, you know, I want you to come talk to me. I will have a talk with this person, whether they're, you know, creating an uncomfortable atmosphere because, you know, they're on tilt and they're just having a bad night with draft. Like, you know, I will deal with and diffuse these sorts of situations. So we have that sort of open communication and that the players know that the people running and judging the tournament care and care about the quality of the event. And that really does build a community in which those sorts of instances are very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the most part, anything that's come up that's been like cheating an event has been, you know, we sort of treat it as an accident. Um, you know, and people are very encouraged to you know, call judge on stuff that they see. Um, and I think nine times out of ten, it really is just an honest mistake. Like, you know, we had, we had a kid the other Friday who, um, you know, took his opponent's deck and then shuffled it face up. And we're like, dude, <laughs> like, but he's like 14. He doesn't know. Like, he just kind of wasn't even thinking about it. He didn't even look down. He just was, we're like, okay, don't do that. Yeah, flip um, that around and yeah, keep going. To the other side, you get a warning. Um, we have never had to kick anybody out of an event. Um, I think only once or twice has Chris ever have to get like even sternly worded. And it was one situation where I think both guys were sort of, it was a control on control match um, back when Sphinx's revelation was in play. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the game got a little tense and stuff like that. And so, you know, Chris had to be like, I need you to pay more attention to what you're doing. Like, because this is creating problems. Like neither one of you are doing this intentionally, but you guys need to calm down and pay more attention to what you're doing. Um, and I think that was actually the biggest situation that ever really happened. So, you know, just keeping a sharp eye on it and having people know that you're involved, I think puts a stamp on that pretty early. No, that's good advice. Cause I've talked to a few stores who've had issues before, but the yeah. idea of creating an environment where it's just sort of, it doesn't happen, I guess. 
where everyone, like you said, you well, set the I expectation mean, that you're going to be a good person and good people don't cheat. So, right, shouldn't happen, right? Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, and that's, yeah, having your expectations clearly defined, having um, people know precisely what the consequences are of, you know, breaking that. Like, hey, you're going to have a nice chat with me on the way out, and actually, it's not going to be that nice a chat. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a nice plan environment like you know let's keep it that way don't you know don't mess it up this is why you need to have nice things we would like you to have nice things mm-hmm. yeah so. <laughs> okay so you run events pretty much every day of the week we run magic specifically we do casual tuesdays where people can just kind of come and play commander we run on a sealed deck league um once new sets launch uh mm-hmm. um i think there's a group coming to play actually tiny leaders tonight um, yeah, the new commander like format. Commander, yeah, um, it's like a weird commander format. Um, but uh, you know, and then also people who are kind of interested in learning about the game or interested in playing and not really sure how the play group is here. Um, you know, and and I hate to say, but honestly, a lot of the time it's women who are like, I don't know, and we're like, like no, seriously, we're really friendly, really open, come play. Um, like I play, <laughs> it's cool. Let's get more girls. Um, you know, we encourage them to come on Tuesday. So just kind of come hang out, make friends, um, talk to people a bit. And then, and then also newer players kind of get a chance to, to break it in, kind of play seal deck league, which is really kind of low pressure. Um, mm-hmm. And then they get to, uh, um, um, you know, and then they get to develop themselves and then they get to go, um, you know, play in Friday Night Magic or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Start off with an easy low competitive kind of event and get them right. to build up their confidence and yeah right so Tuesdays are casual and then we do Friday Night Magic and then we'll do pre-releases and stuff like that every so often we'll do a special thing um like we have a we have a kids class um that we charge parents for where we teach it's like I think we charge them like 10 bucks we take them for two hours um we teach them how to play and if they already know how to play. And this is for like kids kind of under 15 um, primarily we recommend it for um, so that they don't feel because our, the people who play here are by and large adults in their late twenties and thir- like thirties. Mm-hmm. So it's there are a nine year old in that mix. And oftentimes that kid's a little uncomfortable or their parents are uncomfortable with it. So we have this sort of specifically to find kids your own age to play with, to be comfortable with, to be more comfortable with the game before you start playing in Friday night magic and stuff like that. So yeah. we'll do that, and then when the Grand Prix was in town, um, in town, in quotes, which they were at at Dulles, which is not D.C. Um, so it was a big mm-hmm. point of contention, and that we were all calling it GP Dulles and not GP D.C., because we were all really annoyed that it wasn't at the convention center. Yeah. Um, a fact which has been brought up with Helen Vergio, um, which we may have bombarded her with. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did come out to the store when it was in Dulles and uh, looked around the store and stuff, so that was nice. Um, very nice lady. But um, we did when they were in town, we did prior to that, we did a sealed deck workshop um, for our players to kind of get some sealed deck practice. Like it was a special event that I designed um, off another player's. Again, it came from the player base. That player suggested it. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. We'll do that. Um, so we kind of put it together and we talked about what to expect from, you know, competitive level play, things to make sure that you do, things to make sure that you don't do. Like, mm-hmm. If you're, it's your first time playing in the main event at a GP, make sure you take some cliff bars, some water. Like you need to, you need to be able to be focused and be hydrated and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, basic prep you know, for can, a long tournament day. Right, right. 
Because a lot of people, like some people had, but a lot of people who were planning on entering the sealed deck um, main event hadn't. Yeah. Um, like yeah. done a bit before, so. Okay. Uh, yep. What's the proportion for men to women in your store who play Magic? Because it sounds like it's actually um, more than you'd expect. It's, yeah, it's it's more than, um, uh, it's more than, I think, a lot of stores. Um, because, again, we are, people know that we are policing behavior. But then also, our store doesn't really attract, the majority of our players are professionals. Like, not professional players, but, like, professionals mm. in the city. Like, there's, you know, lawyers, and I have a couple of people that work in Congress, like, that are congressional staffers. Like, you know, we have people that are, um you know, used to, they're a little older, they're a little, you know, more experienced in social situations and dealing with different crowds of people that are different than them and a little more relaxed um, than I think some some stores get. Um, that's not to cast a pall on magic players or anything, but I think that also us saying, like, hey, like, treat everybody with respect. like, And then also the fact that they see they're coming into a store that is owned by a woman and they're coming into a store that is, you know, all the magic is run by me and I'm, I'm a lady. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like that from the ground up that they know already, like they're already accustomed to that. And we do have, we do have a good group of girls that play here. Um, but there's, there's like a couple of regulars and then sometimes we'll have the pre-releases. We'll have a higher proportion. Um, Cause that's, we just get a lot of people in that don't normally that can't usually make it in every single week for, Mm, Friday yeah. Night Magic, but they can make it in for like a weekend event, so we get, um, yeah, it's it's a higher ratio. Mm. Has it been difficult being a uh, woman running a predominantly male for her guard game? No, um, I mean, I think in other situations it could be, but I'm also just one of those people that I just don't truck with that. So I mean, <laughs> I think people, um, yeah, I'm 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 very firm in my statements and opinions, and so I don't intimidate easily and there's never really been that sort of situation um no one's ever approached me with anything um also it's yeah i don't know i mean i just it, i've never really run into it and i don't think i would um simply because i again like you know we do announcements every friday like there's always announcements before um you know we start and one of my announcements is like plain ice or i will kick you you out <laughs> like this is kind of a thing like i'm very firm on that mm. um and so i think i guess i'm not one that people usually mess with um also i mean and we have such a great 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 group of magic players i mean we really do um a lot of the um the regular magic players like i'm friends with um you know we hang out after magic um we have we have one player that started a facebook group and so and that actually is really nice because it allows me to kind of really get access to players and be like, so what do you guys want to do? And, um, you know, various things like that. And so, you know, we'll do polls and stuff like that about how they want Friday night magic arranged, um, and stuff like that. Like what they want to see more of, do they want to see more modern? Do they want to see, you know, like, what do they want to see? And as much as I can, I try to deliver on that. So. Yeah. No, it's, it's sort of a, a two respect street. So. Yeah. And it's great that you actually go to your customers and ask them what they want. Ooh. Yeah, sorry about that. Somebody left the phone right by. That's okay. By the it happens. So is there anything about magic that we haven't gone over that you'd like to talk about? Um, like, where do you... I don't uh, know. I think it's... 
Yeah. What was, I'm sorry, what was the? Yeah. What do you expect it to go in the next couple of years? Um, it's hard to say. Um, and it's hard to say where. I feel like right now we're at a comfortable place where we can continue to provide. Um, and one thing that's very important to Chris, um, again, who was who basically a store employee in that he's run all of our events. Um, and he takes uh, a really great person. I mean, I'm biased, but because um, hmm. I'm dating the guy. But, um, you know, he really does take a vested interest in quality of the tournaments that he's overseeing. Um, and that's And that's something that we agree on. Um, and that's why it's really great to have him. And if you, and my advice to other sorters be like, if you can find that person who is not just, I think a lot of the times we have some L1s and stuff come in and say that they're kind of interested in judging, but they don't ever follow up with me. Mm-hmm. They don't like, you know, it's not just something where I'm going to chuck a laptop off at you and say, you know, go run magic. Like this is something that all of our events are an extension of our customer service. Um, and as such, we have certain standards that we expect. We have expectations, we have standards, and those need to be met. And even if we're doing a volunteer situation, those volunteers are vetted by me. And, um, you know, I talk to them about what the expectations are, because in certain cases, they're representing the store. Um, And, you know, we do try to reward our volunteers as much as possible with discounts or, for instance, if anything special comes in for magic, like Chris just has first dibs, like he has seats. I set aside a seat for him at events because, you know, he basically works for us every Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we do have a sort of reward situation that we'll do, but, you know, we want people to run events that are, that they care about, that, you know, and that really does sort of promote that environment. But, but if we grow bigger than that, it's, it becomes increasingly and exponentially harder to maintain that same standard. Um, because I mean, you have more influx of players, you have, it's a lot harder to manage a room full of, you know, 250 people than it is a room full of 24. Um, so it's, yeah. And that's, that's some of the, like, you know, we've looked at going down the route of like where we would become sort of the place that if, you know, a GP came to town, we would be the ones running it. Um, is that something I don't you want we'll to get towards? there? I don't think that's what the store wants to do. Mm. Um, I think it would be interesting, but I, I also know that it would be an uphill battle um, to kind of push our standards, our tournament standards, and our behavior standards to that level would be very difficult. Um, but also, I don't actually think that that's where this store wants to be. Like, this store is more about, we are far more about small community um, and local community and that i think is where we want to stick with magic as well um we want to try to get to advanced plus simply because honestly we want more access to more materials for our customers mm-hmm. um you know we want more from to be able to get because we don't anytime we get in anything special we don't hold on to it or mark it up we give it we take a list and you know modern masters for example mm-hmm. uh, we already have a list of people who are interested in booster boxes and we will try to get every single one of them a booster box we won't let them they you know there are certain situations where discounts won't apply, um, but we won't ever mark anything up over MSRP. Um, so we're selling Modern Masters at MSRP. Um, gotcha. But, I mean, the people who are higher on the list are the people that are in our local community. Like, if somebody calls from California and asks to be put on the list for a box of Modern Masters, we're not going yeah. to add them on. Like, or we'll add them on, they're not going to get priority. Like, if we have a longer list than we have boxes, they're going to go to people who are local, people that play here every Friday do all of our pre-releases like people that actually support the store so I think that that 
maintaining, being able to maintain that level is really our main focus. Good stuff. It sounds like you've found your, your comfort zone, I guess. Maybe you, yeah, you found success at a certain level and you're like, okay, let's just keep this going. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly for now. I mean, and that, that's also partially because the store has so so many other avenues that it explores. Like what Mm -hmm. is, where, where does, where is there more community for us to, you know, approach and stuff like that. And, um, I don't want magic to stagnate, but I also don't want to go too big, too fast. Um, so, I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of at a plateau and that's okay. I think for now, um, we are at the point where we're trying to be able to fit more people in for pre-releases and stuff like that. Like that's where we wish we could expand a little more because everybody wants to play. But right now we seem to be pretty good at doing 32 people, um, for pre-releases. Cause that, it's a little bit of a tight fit, but at least for seal deck, you don't have to have big tables set up for draft pods. So it works out a little bit better. We can, we can break tables down into smaller areas and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think growing a little bit in that we can do some bigger events and stuff like that would be nice. Um, but we're not trying to, you know, you don't want to get bigger than your bridges. So exactly. And you just don't want people to be comfortable in your store, right? Like you don't want to have to. That's, and that's the thing is that, 32 people is kind of like a sardine can. Um, and so we do, you know, I have to go ahead of time. Like if you have big backpacks full of giant trade binders, please don't bring them. <laughs> like, please don't um, <sighs> you know, bring a small trade binder or something like be conscious of the space that you're taking up. Um, you know, or as, as part of Chris's announcements every Friday is like, you know, be conscious of the space your butt is taking up and reduce that space if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we do try to be very conscious of the fact that being slammed in large sardines does not make anybody feel good. Um, but for pre-releases and stuff like that, most people are like, yeah, no, that's fine, whatever. Um, but we don't do that every Friday because that would be miserable. Gotcha. Okay, well, uh, if you could name one thing that makes mm-hmm. your magic program successful, is there anything that you could attribute specifically? Um caring i mean giving actually caring about your program um and not just chucking people in a room together um i think that that's the single most important thing um you know the players know that they have someone to talk to about events have you know that their input is listened to even when i sometimes don't use it um you know they know that they can touch us. And so that they, there's, again, it's that two way respect street. Like I respect them. They respect us. And, you know, we're able to actually foster a good community. Um, and that's why, I mean, I have a friend who comes in to play in Friday night magic and he drives by another game store to get here. Um, so it's that, that sense of community and that sense that, yeah, that sense that we care. And I think knowing that, you know, we're, it's not just, Oh God, those magic players. Um, that it is something that we, we care about and we care about the environment they're playing in. And that's what I think draws people to us. Good answer. That's, that's basically where I'm sitting right Thanks. now. You, if you don't care, it's not going to yeah. work, but if you do care, it really shows. Right. I have to check the WPN website. I actually just did an interview with a guy from wizards um, who was writing an article about how to create an open um, play environment. And he actually interviewed us about it like because we'll do mm-hmm. silly stuff like when um Avis sword was out then we got the hell vault things yeah 
And we got two of them, so we were able to do them in our main pre-release events. But we also do a two-headed giant pre-release for fun because it's ridiculous because Watsi yeah. doesn't actually care about two-headed giant anymore, so it gets hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't have a hell of a lot for that, so we took one of the empty ones, we filled it up with candy, we resealed it, and we took a break to whack a hell vault pinata. Nice. Like, <laughs> because it all came from Kathy going, you know what, it should have candy in it. And then we all paused and looked at it and we're like, well, yeah, we're it should gonna, have candy in it. make that happen now. Because now it should have candy. So we'll do <laughs> Right? Um, so, you know, we kind of do fun stuff like that. Like, we have a guy who we call our flavor judge. Um, so he makes flavor rulings. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, providing that kind of fun, caring environment, I think, is really important. So, but, yeah, that article, I think, should be up on, he said it was going to be up in January. So I don't know if it's up yet on the DPN site. But, um, yeah, I'm full of advice on there, too. So Cool. I'll have to take a look at it. Uh, is there anything else you want to throw out there? Um, no, I think that's, I mean, that pretty much covers everything. I think it's, you can learn everything you need to learn about running magic. Um, especially right now to post four years ago when we started, the WPN is really, really good right now, um, about teaching tournament organizers how, how like how to run fnm and stuff mm-hmm. like when i started there was no materials there was no resources like it was me on reddit <laughs> like talking to you know friends of mine and stuff like how do i even i don't even know how to spare <laughs> like no i know and now i can do it blindfolded but um you know you can learn all that kind of stuff but you can't really learn you know caring um mm-hmm. you know giving dark um to use pc language but it's you know because you can't teach that in people. So you need to find people who do care um, and who care about quality. And that is that I think that's the same most important thing you can do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know Kathleen's not here to plug her own store, but maybe you can do it for her. <laughs> so if people wanted to find you in real life or online, where mm-hmm. can they go? Um, we are located at 645 Pennsylvania Avenue Southeast in Washington, D.C. We're right off the Eastern Market Metro Station. Um, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash labyrinth game shop and labyrinth is spelled L A B Y R I N T H. Um, you can also find us online at labyrinthgameshop.com. We're on Twitter at labyrinth DC. Um, and I think that's everything. Um, we also have an Eventbrite site that you can link that's linked off of our, um, event page on our website. Um, that's eventbrite.com E V E N tbrite.com and uh, the page is Labyrinth DC same as our Twitter handle um, so yeah wonderful well thank you very much for coming on the show I really appreciate it no problem thank you uh, you have a good day we'll talk to you soon gotcha thank you bye hey I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kathleen Donahue and Judy Thomas I think they did a great job if you're looking for more about games store entrepreneurship in the magic community check out manaversesaga.com Home of the Maniverse Podcast. This is where we talk about tips and tactics you can use to grow your local community and your business. From there, you can find out more about Metaverse.com and sign up to get early access as a beta tester. If you like what you're hearing, here's what I want you to do. I need you, yes you, listening right now, to subscribe to the Maniverse Podcast on iTunes, rate us, and leave a review. Sharing, that's optional, but that's also a great way to help the show. And every reviewer will get a shout-out on an upcoming episode. If you've ever wanted to hear your name on a podcast, now's your chance. Coming up next week, we talk with Chris Fedor, 
He's the assistant events manager at Dragon's Lair in Austin, Texas. Be sure to stay tuned and check that one out. As always, thank you for listening.